three, two, one, zero, zero, and liftoff. This is Nuclear Knowledge. Production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting episode of Nuclear Knowledge, a weekly show of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies, where we are advancing peace, promoting stability, and helping you to thank deterrence. The views of the host are his own. I'm your host, Jim Petrosky, and today's show is the third and last in a three-part series on survivability. In part one, episode 13, I laid out the important aspects of survivability related to hostile environments, and these contribute to a deterrent effect. In part two, episode 14, I stated the principle of avoidance, which allows for one to avoid the hostile environment altogether, which is directly related to deterrence because it puts into the mind of the adversary any aggressive action will fail. And today, I will cover the primary principles related to survivability in a hostile environment. From a deterrent standpoint, the goal is always the same as with avoidance, to just simply not have the hostile environment, which is the idea of deterrence. It's not, hey, we can survive your nuclear weapons attack, so we won't do anything to stop it. However, In both avoidance and hostile environment survivability, there needs to be a credible expectation that after we survive, there will be some response, usually something very bad. But that concept to bring about fear in your adversary is a different lesson. So let's begin. The principles of survivability to be discussed in today's episode are related to surviving a harsh environment. The principles are Hardness, diversity, and evolution. Now, hardness is basically the ability of a system to continue performing its function after being exposed to a harsh environment. Now, this may seem like a simple concept, and on the face it is. But as with everything else in life, in practice it's quite complex. And I'm not going to be able to cover everything today. To understand this, let's look back at the land of NIDS where Curtis' solution to survival was to conduct some short pulse thermal analyses. And he found that bricks could survive the nuclear pulse instead of the hay materials Adam had built. Now, I credit all of you with agreeing that that was sort of an expected result. And I was even surprised that Adam never saw this in the first place. However, that's the way of Adam. However, What was Curtis' criteria for survival of the thermal pulse? What kind of bricks did he study? What was the criteria of survival that the brick was completely undamaged, with no pits or scars, or just that it was intact after the thermal pulse? Was survival of the brick the important part of the analysis, or did he study whether it reduced the thermal energy from a nuclear weapon, such that a person inside a structure built by bricks didn't burn to a crisp? And to what size nuclear weapon did Curtis test his bricks? After all, if nuclear weapons reach temperatures that turn items into hot plasma at some point, wouldn't there possibly be a situation where that would happen to the brick? So, 
as you look under the hood, you can see that hardness must be based upon criteria, uh, criteria oriented on the expected environment from an aggressor. In engineering words, please don't stop listening to this podcast. I promise I'm not going to go into great engineering jargon for you. But we must make engineering trade-offs as we cannot survive every situation 100% of the time. The fundamental trade-off usually starts by considering the most probable aggressor action. For example, assume a type of weapon that the aggressor may have and how accurate it will be. Or a worst case scenario, such as maybe a direct hit from the sun. If you can survive that, you probably can survive anything. These are decisions that must be made to decide on the approach for determining hardness and the trade-offs, which include money, time, knowledge, and capability. You'll never have enough of these, and you certainly won't have all that you want. Another concept that presented itself to the hardness of the bricks in the lands of NIDS was hardness to the various and combined effects from a nuclear weapon. In the Three Little NIDS story, episode 13 of Nuclear Knowledge, in case you missed it, the brick house was able to survive the nuclear pulse, but failed to survive the blast wave which followed. In engineering words, again, keep listening, this is referred to as combined effects, and for nuclear effects, they are quite important, both in combination and how they're sequenced. For example, for a brick wall, the thermal pulse might weaken the bricks in some way, making it more vulnerable to breaking when the blast wave arrives. This must be considered when testing and addressing the hardness. Now on to the principle of diversity. Diversity is having a sufficient variation and approach to surviving so no, no, no single effect can cause a system to fail. The old saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket, comes to mind. The best example is with the nuclear triad. Missiles, bombers, and submarines are all part of the triad, and each provides a different method for hardness because the operational requirements to cause it to fail and are different. Also, each has its own vulnerability. For example, submarines rarely plummet from the sky if their engines fail. Also, with each system, there is diversity through applying different engineering methods or materials. Much of this hardness requires close interaction between operators and engineer designers. Lastly, the principle of evolution is such that a system changes itself to reduce the effects of a harsh environment. As with diversity, this requires close coordination between the engineer designers and the operators. A good example of short-term evolution is how satellites function in a temporary harsh environment. By shutting down or even changing to a mode which incorporates redundancy in the circuitry. Another evolution is in the way a system may be modernized to incorporate different or new materials that change the hardness level or even change the susceptible effect. These all can add to the survivability of a system. Now, there's so much more to understand in survivability, but this podcast is only 10 minutes long. And so to recap uh, what's been covered in this three-part series, uh, I'll give you the following. Survivability is not deterrence but an important part of achieving a deterrent effect. 
Avoidance is an important part of survivability and includes mobility, concealment, and awareness. And surviving a hostile environment includes hardness, diversity, and evolution. And lastly, and not the least important, the NIDs have an awesome technical leader. Well, thank you for listening to today's Nuclear Knowledge Show. I hope you learned something new and valuable about deterrence. Nuclear Knowledge is a production of NIDS, a 501c3 organization dependent upon donations to provide this podcast. Every donation helps keep this and many other deterrence-related activities happening and helps to bring about awareness of the peacekeeping value of U.S. strength and our national deterrence. This podcast is produced weekly and each episode is released on Monday. If you enjoyed this show, check out our other podcast, The Nuclear View. You can catch it and all our podcasts at thinkdeterrence.com. I thank our producer, Kimberly Charrington, our sponsors, and all the fantastic members of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies for making this podcast possible. Stay tuned next week for another exciting and informative nuclear knowledge. Bye-bye. A production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies.